I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome back to the show. My name is Dan, your host, and we are rounding out Pride Month right now with a conversation uh, with Margot Pierce, who is the drop-in center facilitator for a place called Out Center Southwest Michigan uh, over in Berrien County. So Margot, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you. It's great to be here. And so I'd love to get to know a little bit about who the Out Center is and who you are and what this means, what a drop-in center is, and then we'll get into everything else. But let's start with you, Margot. Tell me a little bit about yourself, if you would. Okay. Well, first of all, I use she, her pronouns. I'm the facilitator for the Out Center Drop-In Program. That's a place where anybody can just virtually drop in for some conversation, problem solving, or whatever they need. Um, that program runs Tuesday through Friday from 3 to 5.30 p.m., and you can connect via Google Meet from anywhere. Um, we are, however, though, opening the out, reopening the Out Center soon. We don't have an exact date yet. We're hoping sometime in July we'll be able to go back to in some in-person programming. Hmm. Oh, so let me ask this real quick. How I have to believe it's very important. So maybe this is a really softball question, but how important is this drop-in center for the LGBTQ plus community? Um, it's really important. A lot of people don't have people they can talk to that understand what kind of issues they may be facing with mental health difficulties, housing, medical care, you know, relationship problems, jobs, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And it's really been invaluable for folks that are using it. So you cover kind of the gamut of life through the lens of this community that is underserved, marginalized, discriminated against, but it's just handling life. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. And a little bit about the Out Center. We were founded as the Out and Affirm Affirmation Program in the St. Joe YWCA in 2007. We moved into our own space in the Out Arts District and secured our nonprofit status in 2010. Um, we've had our executive director since 2012, and we just held, like you had said, the first um, public community outside Lake Effect Pride event, mm -hmm. which was on Saturday. Um, we actually managed to avoid most of the torrential rain, so that was great. Nice. It was really well attended, and we had um, the ability to use some space with a a local restaurant that supports us a great deal of delivery. We were able to move most of our event inside there. Nice. So as I was preparing for our conversation, I did a little bit of research, but I'd love to know your story, Margo. What drew you to the Out Center? Why are you a, uh, a staff member, a, I would assume also volunteer, but what drew you to working with this community? 
Um, actually, I'm an ally. I have family that are part of the community and they're incredibly important to me. And I've seen a lot of different ways that people get discriminated against and thought less of. Mm. And when the opportunity came up, it was a great fit. Very nice. Yeah. As a fellow you know, cisgender, uh, he, him pronouns straight, I look at how to be an ally. And so that, that speaks to me personally. Um, but I would imagine a lot of other listeners as well saying, okay, yeah, this community need, deserves every right that we have, deserves love, deserves freedom. How can we help? So that's a beautiful way to um, to kind of show that, I, I think. So Margo, when, when Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services, or DASIS, uh, talks about serving our communities who are survivors, who are facing whether it's domestic violence from or intimate partner violence, or it's um, sexual assault, I, unfortunately, as a straight person tend to fall back at just what I know. And so I think about that kind of traditional sense of must be a husband hurting his wife or boyfriend, girlfriend kind of a thing. Um, but as I've learned over the last few years, it, it crosses everything, gender identity, sexual identity, um, relationship, intimate partners. Uh, do you, what, what kind of situations do you see in the community where you have the opportunity to serve them as survivors also. Do you see domestic violence in the LGBTQ plus community? Oh, absolutely. Domestic violence ha actually happens at the same or higher rates than it does in the cisgender population. Um, there's a lot of reason for that. Um, probably part of it is abusers take advantage of the most vulnerable people in their community hmm. and biphobia from both the heterosexual and the LGBTQ community helps feed that. Biphobia. Uh, Biphobia, which um, people are phobic about bisexual people because there's the idea that um, maybe you're just willing to go with the most available partner. They really don't embrace the bisexual identity that some people have. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, you don't even, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that being a margin on the margin. So um, yeah, it's important. Well, and there's also, um, there's are some radical feminists who don't accept trans women. Hmm. They're not, they don't accept them as part of the feminist community. Okay. Um, but according to human rights campaign, 44% uh, of lesbians and 61% of bisexual women experience rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner compared with 35% of the general population. Wow. So that's really a tremendous difference. Yeah. There's always the threat of an abuser outing somebody who may not be out yet. They're going to out them as a sexual or gender minority. Hmm. Um just as shocking or even more so 26% of gay men and 37% of bisexual men experience rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner compared to 29% of straight men and 40% of gay men and 40% of bisexual men have experienced sexual violence other than rape compared to 21% of straight men. Hmm. Um, as a society, as a whole, we really struggle to accept the idea that men can be victims of sexual assault and that allows for people to keep victimizing other people as long as it's a secret. It's incredible how many layers of complication we face as humans. 
And when you add into it that, that I, well, you just said, Margo, about the, the layer of secrecy, it has to be so difficult. I can't, I, I can't imagine. Well, and again, the threat of being outed, if you're not out at work or at home or to your family, that's an incredibly powerful motivator. And that type of manipulation can be really common. Yeah. Is it helpful for those who are not marginalized, those of us with privilege, whether it's some kind of social norms or whatever, to talk about these things and to just listen? Oh, definitely. Um, anybody needs to be validated and heard and listened to. So yes, definitely. And to realize that it's, I mean, the risk to a marginalized community is so much higher than to a privileged community. Um, one thing is there's something that's called corrective rape. That's hate motivated violence. It's also something trans by asexual and lesbian community often experience from partners, families, and acquaintances. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. They, the term is corrective rape. So they're trying to correct their sexual orientation or their gender identity. It's scary. I, I have no words. I have no words for that. Yeah, trans and bi women are the most likely to be sexually assaulted than any other group. Hmm especially trans women of color, they do tend to be the most at-risk group in the LGBTQ community. What kind of resources are available for folks listening who, whether they see themselves in that community or whether they know someone, where do you point folks to start to find help? Um, Just one second. I've got a phone number. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Out Center is always a resource. We're available at Mm outcenter.org. You can use info at outcenter.org or margo at outcenter.org. And we'd get back to you. Um, Domestic violence hotlines would be another place. Hold on just a moment. I can't find that phone number. That's okay. Is there a fear from this community that if they call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline, or a local one that they're not going to be served or are they finding that they're, they are served? Well, I I think there is a fear and that's the reason that a lot of people don't report things because they're afraid that if they get somebody on the phone that objects to what they consider their lifestyle, they're not going to be served or helped like they would. I mean, even going to the emergency room, if you need to have a rape exam, someone asking questions about your sexual orientation and your gender identity so they know how to treat you appropriately. So it's not a surprise. I mean, that needs to become much more mainstream than it is right now. Yeah. So we'll link to, of course, we always talk about, you know, our hotline at DASIS. Um, we'll link to the, to the websites to the national outlines, this kind of thing, um, for sure. What does it, what does it mean that you're trained in healthy relationships with a focus on the LGBTQ plus community? How does that look on a day-to-day basis? Um, the main thing, the organization is you can find them online at joinonelove.org. Um, they have their curriculum based around the 10 signs of a healthy versus an unhealthy relationship. I can go through those. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
unhealthy, the healthy versus unhealthy, the majority of them have to do with power and control in the relationship. Um, a comfortable pace, essentially a co-created pace rather than um, very intense in the beginning. Um, healthy relationships have trust, unhealthy relationships have possessiveness. Um, honesty from a healthy relationship, betrayal from an unhealthy relationship. Um, healthy relationships have independence, respect, equality. Unhealthy relationships tend to move a partner more towards isolation, which then allows for manipulation and sabotage of any kind of equality relationship. Um, a healthy relationship should be fun. Unhealthy relationships very often have a lot of volatility in them. And while they may use words like passionate or, you know, I just have big feelings, if it's volatile, it's volatile. Um, healthy conflict should be part of a healthy, a healthy relationship. Unhealthy relationships involve things like belittling your partner, um, even threatening to out them. And the last one is taking responsibility in a healthy relationship versus deflecting responsibility. Um, for intensity, um, that's like super speed in a relationship. You go from zero to 100. Um, one example of that is the movie, The Notebook. Mm. Their relationship went from zero to 100 very quickly. And that's actually, um, the relationship in that movie is actually an unhealthy relationship because there's so much volatility and other things in it. interesting because I feel like Hollywood shows us more often what not to do rather than what to do. <laughs> right. I, I agree. Um, another thing people are concerned about, how do I have a healthy relationship if I already have unhealthy relationships, like with family that are unaccepting or don't, won't, don't want them to come out or any of a host of other family issues can be problematic for an LGBTQ person who wants to be in a healthy relationship you know, how do you find that? Join One Love is one place where you can do that. Hmm. And they actually have a really good curriculum. They have um, a training program for teens. So teens would be able to present their program like at a school or another educational institution to give. And the advice that they give, while specifically there are some parts that are geared toward LGBTQ, the healthy relationship versus the unhealthy relationship signs, those are true in any relationship. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that was going to be my thought was, it sounds like so much of this is good for every relationship. So my, my, my thought, my short-sighted thought, I don't believe this, but my short-sighted thought would be, so why does it matter that it's LGBTQ plus, but then there are other layers. It sounds like, right. There's lots of other layers. Um, okay. I've got a few anecdotal stories. Yeah, please. When you're in a small rural community, the options for dating partners are so few. So you smash yourself together with someone that could really be bad for you and bend yourself into someone or something you're not to keep it together. So you have a sense of normalcy the way other teenagers do in high school. Mm -hmm. um, that can also make a GSA, which is a gay straight alliance, hard to enjoy sometimes because oftentimes people, everybody there has dated everybody else at least once. It can be really messy and make finding your own community difficult. Mm. 
Um, codependency is common in LGBTQ youth often because um, if you're the only two queers in your area, you learn to become codependent in relationships, creating toxic patterns that can be lifelong. Hmm. Um, also, LGBTQ youth turn to the internet for support more than their heterosexual partners, which makes them more vulnerable to online predators and grooming behaviors. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and youth are more easily radicalized online as well. And LGBTQ seniors are more likely to be victims of sweetheart scams because they're less likely to take legal action against a perpetrator. Yeah. Wow. How are you seeing this shift in, you know, 2021? Um, I noticed online and social a lot more rainbows more allies, uh, more talk, more acceptance, maybe. Is there a shift that is coming? Is it kind of more performative? You know, brands just throw up a, a rainbow flag and say, hey, look, you know, we're LGBTQ plus uh, friendly, but are they really? Well, and that's a really good question. Um, I think some of it is performative because pride, you know, went from you know, a short pride community to a month long pride festival. And I think there are lots of um, businesses and companies that do throw up a rainbow. For instance, at the Out Center, we have um, an application process to get in our referral guide. If people wanna be in our referral guide, we need to know exactly how LGBTQ affirming you are, not just accepting, we wanna know that you're affirming. We have that for therapists, for attorneys, um, for houses of worship, for counselors, medical care, mm. and we're expanding that all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, I noticed that in the faith community. Um, as a as a person of faith myself, I thought, oh, I'm interested, and I noticed the difference between affirming and hospitable. Right. It's like interesting. Well, and you don't think about it that way. Sometimes you just hear LGBTQ friendly. So you assume that that's an affirming place to be when it may not necessarily be. Yeah. And I've heard it in my own churches. There's a difference between um, we accept all, but then we're going to bash you over the head with certain verses and say, right, right. So yeah, you're welcome here, but we're going to tell you why you're so wrong. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Anyway. And I don't mean to laugh. I just, it's, it's so incredibly ignorant and, and hurtful. I'm not laughing to make fun of it. I'm just laughing because like the, the irony of the ignorance just seems so plain to me. And I was just going to say that it's so ironic that we're going to welcome everybody, but by the way, sit down and let me tell you how you're going to go to hell. Yeah. That's really not a very welcoming thing to hear at your house of worship. Right. Especially to know that we all fall short and we all are just you know, broken and just trying to get through the world together. Let's just love each other. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, it seems so simple, Margo. We just solved it. There you go. We're good. Exactly. Now everything's <laughs> perfect. That's right. What? So, so we said, you know, you, you just mentioned it's a, a month long celebration. Now, what does that look like for the out center? Are you, do you do events all the time? Do you just stay, stay open differently in June? How, what does that look like? And then I have a follow-up question too, but what does that look like? It's different right now because of COVID, because we're not open. We do try to promote um, on our calendar. We have events seven days a week. They may be in partnership with other organizations. Um, 
and we usually culminate with our big lake effect pride it's something that we've done for years this was the first outdoor community one we've ever done and it was really quite fun nice. but we have companies that want that sponsor that and we have you know people that sponsor it and it's one of our probably one of our best attended events yeah how can we keep the support and conversation going outside of june what can we do as a community? Oh my gosh, volunteer your time, volunteer your passion. There's, I mean, LGBTQ centers have all kinds of needs that they may not be able to fund a position for. Um, you know, and if you're moved to donate, donate to your local LGBTQ resource center or wherever you feel led so they can help keep the word out and help LGBTQ people get the respect and acceptance that they deserve. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of my thoughts that comes to mind is just like we talk about believe survivors, whatever sexual orientation, whatever gender identity, believe someone's story. Oh, always, always believe somebody's story okay, nobody who's a part of the club of being in an unhealthy relationship or having been a victim of sexual violence wants to be in that club. Right. So very few people would claim it just for something to do. But yes, survivors always need to be believed. Margo, is there anything that I, I didn't ask that you want to make sure folks know about, whether it's the Out Center or just this movement in general? Um. I'd like to go through our programs. We have a lot of different programs for a lot of different subsets of the LGBTQ culture. Yeah. Um, we have our drop-in center, which is the program I run. We have the League of Extraordinary Genders. That's for trans community, which is great. I love yeah. that name. I know. That's so cool. It is. Um, we have the social justice readers for people that are interested in social justice. We have a book club that we do through the Out Center. We have friends in faith. We have different faith leaders come in on a regular basis who are available to people that have been hurt by the church primarily and people who are looking for a church home. Um, we have a Teen Pride Summit series where we have teens that come together and we kind of are shaping them for leadership roles. Um, we have Teen Pride social programs. Those are just we might do a movie event. We might throw a holiday party. Um, we usually have a prom. We didn't this year, again, because of COVID, but I hope that'll be coming back. Uh, we have counseling provided by Andrews University during the school year. That's free of charge to anybody. Um, we have our LGBTQ plus Brave School Collaborative. We have going to schools and do programs um, on LGBTQ 101. So teachers and administrators and counselors and parapros can all learn <clears throat> the same language and be taught the same thing and how kids really need to be supported, especially teenagers. Being a teenager is so hard. Um, we have our medical- I vaguely, I vaguely remember how hard it was. It's been a few years, but- Just a couple. But, but, I, but I can, again, the layers, right? Like I grew up white in a white community, cisgender in a very- heteronorm community the layers of everything else added to that my heart goes out to kids who are teenagers people are, who are going through that uh, sorry to interrupt you no that's okay most schools are heteronormative that's just 
And it's not that they intended to be that way. It's just they started back whenever school started and a lot of the programs and ideas have just carried forward. So we're trying to change the lens that people are looking through so we can make it more inclusive for everybody. Um, Okay, we have a couple more quick things. We have our Medicaid project. We're helping LGBTQ people apply um, for Medicaid benefits because healthcare is an area where LGBTQ people are vastly underserved and a lot of people aren't aware of Medicaid. Um, We have our community resiliency model that is we're working on some community resiliency projects where we can try to help communities bounce back and you know embrace each other and become stronger together. We have victim services provided by Equality Michigan. They are available the third Wednesday um, at the drop-in link that we have. It's on our calendar. Um, and they're there to take um, discrimination complaints, which is great. And we also do advocacy and education. So I'm, I'm really curious to go back to the healthcare side of it. How is our system failing our LGBTQ plus community? Why, why, why does that community need extra help? What are we doing wrong? I don't know that they need extra help, but LGBTQ people have difficulty um, sometimes with employment with getting employment, with maintaining employment, especially for people who are trans, Hmm. that can be incredibly challenging. And then to get health benefits that go with that, and then to find health benefits that may support hormone therapy or, you know, other things like that. Um, We also do have something at the Out Center, I just thought of this, it's called the Uncommonly Fabulous Fund. We have a local business that donates money So if there's youth that need things like chest binders, they want to bind their breasts. So it's important that you do it properly so you don't cause yourself physical harm. We can provide those things free of charge. And those are available. But healthcare is really problematic for lots of people who are LGBTQ for the same reason everything else is complicated. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I love asking this question too. It's so interesting to me again, with my background, all of my identities, how can I be an ally and show that? Like there isn't necessarily an ally badge. Hey, I'm a safe person. People may not necessarily trust me because of how I look. And that's okay because my look has been the oppressor for so long. How can I ensure that I'm being a good ally? Um, Honestly, I, I do have a pin that I wear. I wear a pride flag pin. Um, and I wear it all the time. So people know that I'm, you know, LGBTQ friendly and I'm a safe person if they want to come out to somebody. Um, I think one of the most important things you can do as an ally is just keep pushing and advocating for more civil rights protection. I mean, LGBTQ people in Michigan are not protected from discrimination, harassment, Um, and it's also not included in hate crime legislation. I mean, advocating for those types of things is huge. Um, legal definitions of domestic violence that exclude same sex couples. I mean, just continue fighting and supporting. Yeah. Margo Pierce with the out center Southwest Michigan, Berrien County. Margo, thank you for being a part of this conversation. Um, For those listening, 
where can they go to connect with you and the Out Center? What's the best way? Um, the best way is online, www.outcenter.org. All our programs are listed there, our calendars listed there, and there's also contact us links. And my email is margo, M-A-R-G-O, at outcenter.org. And you're welcome to contact me directly. Excellent. Thank you again for being such a great part of this conversation, Margo. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.